Before we started the episode, I wanted to congratulate my mom. She started her own private practice. I'm so thankful for this new opportunity and all the support that I've been given by family and friends and want to welcome anyone in the Columbus area who is looking for some healing and growth in their journey. Uh, You can go to my website is jhrcounseling.com and I would love to connect with you. Yeah, and you know it's good stuff. Um, the artwork was done by Emma Richards and Alexander Wells, and I helped with the website. So it looks great. So if you're in the Columbus area, definitely check out our website. Um, reach out. If, even if you reach out to the Community Roots Pod email, then we'll contact you then too. Now on with the episode. disappointed by it because normally mental (laughs) health is portrayed in a very negative light like it's an easy joke to make so people make it but there's this one episode of an animated cartoon called rick and morty where the um do you watch it i do oh great Um, references (laughs) more references and i don't watch it religiously but i'm familiar yeah and so there's an episode where they're trying to go to a therapist Um, because their kids got in trouble or something like that. And the grandpa is going through such great lengths to not go to this therapy session Mm -hmm. because he's like, therapy's stupid. What is therapy ever going to do for me? You know, like that. And so he's a scientific genius, so he turned himself into a pickle to avoid going to therapy. Yeah, pickle Rick. (laughs) And um, he finally gets there to prove that he can be there and that he's not actually scared of therapy. So he's this pickle on the ground (laughs) talking and the therapist is just like talking about the stigma directly. She's basically like, yeah, therapy gets a bad rap, but we need to do it. It's like brushing your teeth. If you don't do it, then you're going to have no teeth and you won't be able to eat like it's not necessarily exciting work, but it's necessary. Um, but it is exciting work. <laughs> it is. It makes it you is. feel great. Yeah. yeah it's life giving. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Adrienne Johnson. And we're all together back again um, for CR12. Um, I'm really excited for this episode because continuing off of last week's sort of interview, we're um, going after smashing that stigma against mental health and um, against therapists and therapy in general. I was thinking too, as I was reflecting before we were recording this episode, I was thinking about how this is going to air right around the new year. And I thought not just a new year, but a new decade. Like Mm. here we go, 2020 and you know, people are saying like cast a vision. Yes. And like having that clarity for a new decade of like, wow, could we leave some of the stigma behind and and call that outdated? We're not going to think that way anymore. We're drawing a line in the sand. 
so to yes. speak, of how important it is to value our our wellness, mm-hmm. really. You know, that um, mental health, I like thinking of it in terms of health, that it's important that we all have it and we all need it. Yes. And that includes everyone. So Absolutely. That's what we do is going into the new year, new year, deciding what we keep and what we don't, what we take with us and what we leave behind. And the foundation of this podcast is mental health and mental health awareness and wellness maintenance and sustainability. A new year is when we are looking of what we are kind of done with that doesn't serve us well anymore and now yeah and now we're moving forward into a new year but also this year being uniquely a new decade of like what really matters to us what can we invest in and what we are wanting to invest in with our podcast is mental health and awareness and healing and growth and community And I can see how it's so impacted mom and how mom has impacted everybody in my family. I think the start of the decade is a really good time to start just because you're probably going to need all 10 years anyway. (laughs) But also just how our family has so changed in a lot of ways that we're able to communicate, we're able to work through problems. Um, Even when it's really heavy stuff or really complicated problems, like I remember when mom and I were going to Indiana with my sister Maddie, and Maddie and I were able to work through a big miscommunication that had been going on for a couple months, and it's because we care about each other but also because of this focus on mental health like how can we make sure everybody's heard how can we make sure that we're validated and we're all treated the same and I can see how it impacts my family so that's why I think it's so important that whenever you the listener or you the person who tells this other person it has wave a ripple effect that goes and impacts everybody you know and how you treat them. So I think this is great um, to start the new decade off because it's such a life-changing thing. Mm-hmm. So what I a can great feel time. it. I can feel it as you're describing it, just the life-giving nature of it. Like this is an opportunity. This is how do we feel fully, vitally alive? Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is an opportunity that we get to invest in ourselves and one another and being healthy and being um, whole, just Mm -hmm. the wholeness of it all. I can see how it's even impacting my conversations with my partner in that sometimes it's frustrating because you can't communicate and being able to just with these communications courses combined with community roots, I'm like, okay, this isn't good to just let sit and pretend like it didn't happen. So let's actually sit down, have a real conversation so I can try and see what you're saying so you can see what I'm saying and then we can kind of get to a conclusion. And after that happened, I just sat back and I was like, wow, that's weird how that works. This stuff works. (laughs) (laughs) And it all started because of a miscommunication. And I remember historically within our relationship how Sometimes I just chalk it up to miscommunication, just walk away grumpy and dissatisfied and unheard and just say, well, there'll be something else. Like, I know they didn't mean it, so we'll just figure it out later. But this was such a great way that we could just address it right off the bat that I was like, seriously surprised. It's weird when things work. Yeah. (laughs) To coin a recovery quote, it works if you work it. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
I feel like that is the crux of combating stigma and smashing stigma as our as our theme is a lot of stigma is based on misunderstanding or attributing mm-hmm. characteristics where it has no foundation or truth. And it's so important that we talk about it and bring it into the light, especially going into the new year. So I love that idea, um, you know, taking this with us and, and leaving the rest, taking with us knowledge that we can talk about it. It is safe. It's okay to destigmatize it is to acknowledge it and to address it face to face and say it's okay to talk about these things there's no shame in it and leave the stigma behind so last week if you joined us on off the beaten path we were talking with amy theodore and she is the president of miami valley counseling association and she was talking to us about reducing stigma a little bit and adrian i'd just like to do a shout out (laughs) was our ohio counseling association president and so that's just fun to know people in high places that are (laughs) humble and relational and relatable and all that good stuff So I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk a little bit about from the standpoint of our field as counselors Mm -hmm. and also as an educator Mm -hmm. at Wright State where you're teaching therapists, what do you do to advocate for reducing stigma? I invite my students and my colleagues to talk, to talk to me, to talk to each other, to use their words, to express how they feel and to moderate their passions with logic, and to understand that their voice matters. And I model that. I want to hear their narrative. I want to hear their truth. And there are no wrong answers. There's just questions that haven't been asked yet, or contexts and experiences that haven't been considered. The only, uh, the only way, I think, to really smash stigma is to confront it and look at it, and look at how we carry it ourselves. So in our society, and I see this in our classrooms, we bring a lot of stigma with us, and we don't want to be uh, one of the ones on the other side. We don't want to be otherized. We don't want to be the ones called crazy. We don't want to be the ones called depressed or anxious or bipolar or schizophrenic or any other diagnosis out there. We don't want to be one of those because we see how individuals are treated when they identify as having a mental illness or symptoms of a mental illness. And I tell all of my students and I tell my colleagues and, and I was very honored to be president of the Ohio Counseling Association. I got to reach a lot of therapists. And I said it in that capacity, too. Please talk about this. We are not exempt from it. I have anxiety. I have depression. And anyone who knows me knows that I have these, these symptoms, and they, they interfere with my perspective sometimes. And I want to be able to reach out to anyone and say, you're a human. You get it. I'm a human, and I'm experiencing it. Let's talk about it and build that bridge. So as president of the OCA and um, as and a practitioner and a teacher and just a human, I have uh, the unique privilege and responsibility to invite everyone who is listening to please speak about your experience. Say that you have been there or if you haven't been there, ask someone else if they have and talk about it. And I love that the platform of this podcast is really designed to be a conversation Mm -hmm. and to be where we are creating safe spaces and we are really wanting and reaching for a a feeling of community where people can feel like they are seen and heard and understood and having these conversations about a whole wide variety of topics. Yes. All is about 
reducing stigma. Absolutely. To reduce stigma, you have to be relational. There cannot be a one up and one down power differential between humans in order to get rid of stigma. There has to be a partnership in combating it or it will pervase forever. And we don't want that. Not in our new decade. We don't need that. It does nothing for us. Something that I like about smashing the stigma is, one, I think that mental health is a place that revolves around creating safe spaces, which is something that attracted me to the activist community, um, which is just kind of like caring about each other, trying to find mutual ground, trying to figure out how can I make you feel like you're protected, I'm a safe place, and you're valid as another human being. And so smashing the stigma is not, is we talked about earlier, like this idea that therapists have like snake oil to sell or something like that. When in reality, we're trying to create, um, well, not we, (laughs) you all are trying to create these safe spaces that we can just be ourselves and feel validated as human beings. And so smashing that stigma is creating those safe spaces. It's saying you're valid even if you're depressed and um, what you're going through matters and you're still a person who deserves agency and empowerment. Exactly. And care and And support. So smashing the stigma is about creating these safe spaces everywhere where you don't have to make a snide remark about like, the homeless man across the street saying he's crazy because it's so pointless (laughs) to do. And all it does is make mental health a joke and something Mm -hmm. to be laughed about. Right. When in reality, it's something that's really beneficial and helpful. And I also think that there's an us versus them mentality with this stigma, Mm -hmm. this idea of, um, oh, I'm not one of the crazies. I'm one of the normals. And this kind of idea that it's like, well, I think I'm in the mindset that we're all crazies. <laughs> so, <laughs> and what even is normal? Like, right, why exactly. is that? Why does there need to be one picture of what normal looks like? What if it would be everyone gets their own unique experience, and we can be uh, curious to listen and want to hear and embrace somebody with compassion of Mm -hmm. wanting to understand that empathic emotional understanding that goes on a deeper level than just letting something go in one ear out the other and we're really not engaged with people but if we really want community and we really want connection Mm -hmm. we need to be able to hear and listen and understand on a deeper level being in a community is to understand that we can't otherize people in our community. We are one of, and we are with the people we are we are encountering every day. And so to, to, as you had said, point at the homeless man across the street, we need to remember that there is very little difference between that man and who we are because we are all humans, we all have struggled, and I am not one up. I am his partner in humanity. And by making that bridge, I'm saying your mental health matters. Stigma is something we don't need to go forward as a humanity. I also think that growing up, you hear stories about like kid wonders or just people who were prodigies since they were born. And so there's kind of this mindset, well, some people are just born with better mental health and some people are born with a crazy brain. And instead, I think that we should think about it in terms of muscle, like how much you move your muscles, Mm. the more muscular you'll be. It's not that like a kid is 
born out of the womb with the ability to mm. deadlift 300 pounds. It's something that they had to work towards and grow. And so having a finely tuned mental like capacity to be in control of your emotions takes practice. And it's not just something like, oh, I was born perfect. I've never had a non-self-confident thought or I've never been sad in my life. It's like, well, you probably have been and pretending like you're not going to deal with it doesn't really help. So creating this mindset about smashing the stigma it sounds like we're running a campaign for someone (laughs) (laughs) but smashing the stigma instead of focusing on um and instead focusing on like the positive things about mental health the ways that it's helped us Mm -hmm. and kind of a realization and acceptance that no one's born perfect but we can all like we're all in process Mm -hmm. so we can work Mm -hmm. together to kind of grow and we're stronger together I like the way that you're conceptualizing that Samuel because I I'm seeing it in that lens as something that's developmental that we are like you said developing the muscle growing the muscle a lot of times when we have gone through something of trauma we get stunted in our growth like it it causes us to not be able to cope or relate or connect with others or we start down a a path or have patterns where we isolate more we we decline in our self-care things like this so it stunts our growth and what mental health is about is the opportunity to catch back up and to continue growing like if we see that as across the lifespan that we are always developing always growing always having the opportunity for wellness for mental health then the potential is there to always see this in our in our um, capacity to do like an opportunity for us to really take it seriously Mm -hmm. and to encourage each other in healing. And also imagine this situation is like you have a friend running around the house, maybe they're organizing a party. It doesn't matter. But then one of your friends says, Oh man, look at their ADHD. It's going crazy or Mm -hmm. something like that. Like how much more beneficial that would be instead of like making a slide joke about it to instead go up to the person and saying like, hey, I noticed that you're pretty distracted and that you have like a lot of stimuli. Is there a way I can help? And so you're coming from a place of like safety and security because you are aware of um, like mental health and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Instead of just making a snide remark, you have a place where you're already creating a safe place to say, hey, it looks like you're overwhelmed. And um, I think that's a lot more beneficial because we should be supporting each other, not tearing each other down. There's power in very simple statements. And by using a remark to empower someone and make them feel safe is so much more long-lasting and helpful and, and relational and beautiful than making a snide comment. And I love what you said about making yourself a safe person and saying something that's that's helpful. Um, my husband has ADHD, and when he is overstimulated, his symptoms are are very problematic for him, and he becomes very frustrated with himself. And I didn't understand that at first. It took me a while to understand that. And um, when I when I finally understood. Um, that he needed me to be supportive in a certain way and ask him questions and give him minimal stimulus and 
and all of the the things that are helpful for him, I, I felt like that brought us closer together, even closer together. And it started with a question instead of a judgment, instead of mm-hmm. me being frustrated. I said, what do you need? No, how better can I support you? What what am I doing um, that is not helpful, and what can I do that is? And it's just that power of the of the question. I mean, it just opened up in a, a dialogue that was phenomenal. And so I I think this goes back to what you were asking me, Julie, about um, about how I uh, address this in classes and and even as president of OCA. It's it's so essential to ask questions and stay curious. And by passing a judgment or saying, wow, that person's acting crazy or, or wow, that person must be on something or they must be stressed or, you know, yeah, we're all stressed. But ask them what's going on. Show interest. Mm-hmm. One assignment I give my students is to go to Walmart and ask the cashier how they're doing. Hmm. And it is, it's world-changing for many of my students because those cashiers are stressed and they're upset and they face a lot of... Uh, a lot of hardship in their work, and there's a lot of untreated mental health diagnoses that present under stressful situations, such as Walmart during the holidays. And my students go in, and they they talk to the cashier, and they come out with a different perspective, and, and they feel more empowered to ask the questions rather than to just judge. And so, uh, you know, if I can say anything to my listeners, please, please ask questions. Don't judge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the difference between being open and curious mm-hmm. versus being closed-minded, narrow-minded, judgmental, critical, that's going to produce two completely different outcomes. You know, if we can want to know someone, be curious about someone, want to hear their experience, Mm -hmm. that draws us to a place of greater connection, like you shared with your husband. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think you would also find that most people are just as interesting as you are. And so acting curious and saying like, what are your passions? What are like, just being genuinely curious, I think sparks something in that one, you're going in open-minded and open-handed and saying like, what are you like? And the other person being able to share a unique experience that's their sliver Mm -hmm. of what reality looks like that you can only get a piece of from a conversation, but still to say like, it's, it's crazy how many doors open. Even in this job, I'm working as a stagehand, being able to talk to all these people and going like, whoa, these are all real people, which seems really obvious, but it's strange being able to talk to somebody that you've never met before, but still have a deep conversation about it, about whatever it is, is pretty cool. So I thought it'd be interesting for us to just talk for a moment about the effects of stigma that it has on our culture, on our communities. Um, one of the things that I think is really sad and concerning is the concept of bullying, of um, someone feeling attacked, or it is that aspect of judgment, of going one up, of isolating someone, that othering that we're talking about, um, that kind of any sort of physical violence or harassment that is going to cause just um, a lot of ramifications in someone's mental health and could even lead to suicide or um, just tremendous amounts of trauma. Mm -hmm. Yes. The, uh, the barriers to treatment um, come from stigma so often and that stigma creates a lot of divides and it hurts people and it makes them retreat from a helping hand it it looks like bullying it looks like uh, 
snide comments. It looks like um, denigrating looks towards each other out on the street. It appears in a lot of different ways, and that stigma perpetuates the myth that people with mental illness are dangerous or unsociable or terrible or weak. And to to talk to a person and, and say, you know, do you need help? Can I, can I support you? Can, can I do anything? Do you need, do you need me to lead you somewhere? Um, that has such power in it and that can reduce a bullying situation and de-escalate any stressful situation to, to something that's positive and memorable and meaningful. Something that I learned this semester with problem solving in communication is they have this graph of all these different ways that humans generally solve problems and one of them is competition but it's a high regard for yourself and a low regard for others and that's what I think of with these like negative comments with stigma is it's basically saying like oh in order to get some social clout I'm going to make fun of someone and put something else down that might like produce some sort of like beneficial social whatever to me and Higher so standing. right and instead there's an option that I like to bring up a lot which is one of collaboration mm. where is a high respect for yourself and a high respect for others and it kind of fits into that situation with your friend who is showing huge signs of ADHD right now instead of just making fun of them and basically saying like oh I need to step on this person in order to get higher instead going up to them and saying how can I help how can we work together is um, one of the ways so I just think it's cool sometimes. I get off on communication tangents because communication to me sometimes is just a physical manifestation of the mental health within the person. So um, I agree. That going back to how does stigma hurt us, it's a way that shows a low regard for others mm -hmm. and such a high regard for yourself that isn't sustainable or beneficial. Or even accurate. <laughs> right. Right. And right. it says something about your own mental health, too. Like, it says something like, you should probably be working on your own mental health if you're making fun of other people for being yes. crazy. We live in a culture that uh, that is steeped in stigmatizing images. And persons who, who have any kind of struggles or issues with mental illness uh, may even accept these notions and suffer diminished self-esteem and self-efficacy and confidence in one's future. So uh, as a result of stigma, people may feel more negative towards the future. And as we're looking towards our next decade, it's so essential to, to come together to collaborate on ways that we can smash the stigma so that people are more hopeful and they don't feel the need to bully one another or denigrate each other and put each other down because we can achieve so much more together. There's a quote um, that says, one doesn't have to operate with great malice to do great harm. The absence of empathy and understanding are sufficient. And that's Charles M. Blow. And I've just reflected on my own story a little bit with that quote of the things that have been so painful to me are the times that I didn't feel heard or understood or someone's not curious or stays away, stays distant, and how much we need that um, emotional connection and understanding with each other, curiosity, compassion. Those are the things that help us develop and grow and, and thrive from a standpoint of mental health. Um, and one of the things that we do a lot of times in counseling 
when you come to a session, we're doing a lot of shame reduction work of how do we get rid of the feeling of all the negative, judgmental, critical things we've carried around, which can often come from our culture, from stigma, um, from our own judgments against ourselves. How do we let those go and start to see ourselves in a new light of self-compassion and kindness? A key aspect of that is being able to validate, being able to hear someone, being able to say, that makes sense that you're feeling that way. You know, I can understand that that would be hurtful or that would be difficult and really working to have this attunement with someone else, this engagement, uh, this connection of, you know, I can hear what you're saying and that really matters. What you're saying matters. Who you are matters. Um, I wanted to say that the my neighbor across the street, um, Becky, has a young boy named Rowan, and he's really cool. And um, he plays with Barbie dolls, and sometimes he's picked on for doing that. And I love to instead see a community and a culture that is focused on like, hey, it's totally okay that you like playing with Barbie dolls. All of us have different passions and likes, and let's create an environment and an atmosphere that supports that. And you can see even in Rowan's day-to-day how that negative outlook on who he is as a person impacts him poorly and better mental health, better acceptance of boundaries and realizations about who we are, I think would have positively impacted both Rowan and his friends around him. And so whenever Connie and I hang out with Rowan, we try to instead have a supportive atmosphere that's instead like, hey, that's cool. Show me your toys. I don't care what they are. Just whatever Just you, an wherever you find in, yeah, enjoyment out of, I'm interested in because it's cool. Mm-hmm. He also likes Pokemon and soccer. Like <laughs> he has a wide <laughs> variety of interests that um, I think could be beneficial in one. That's where I just link mental health and a supportive environment. Like it's one that seeks to say you are valid no matter what you're feeling, what your likes are. It's like let's try and create an environment that supports you mm-hmm. and validates others. When we talk about creating the uh, the safe environment, um, it, it makes me think of Brene Brown. And she said that shame cannot survive when you bring it to the light. And stigma thrives in darkness. Shame thrives in darkness. And we need to be willing to talk about how we really feel and, and model that for others. For Rowan, he needs people to to stand up for him and teach him how to stand up for himself and make sure that he knows it's okay. He can play with Barbies. He can play with with soccer balls and, and whatever else. Not a sporting person, but whatever whatever soccer people do. <laughs> he kind of had me at Barbies. I was really excited about that. I kind of want to have a conversation about that. Um, but, um, you know, we just need to, to remember to be kind and don't judge. Ask questions. I, I had a client who was um, doing all, all sorts of things that were not – not pro-social but she had been passed along from therapist to therapist and uh, I was an intern at the time and I was very curious and I blurted out why do you do that 
And it was a very pointed question. And, and I tell my students not to ask those kinds of questions. They're too pointed and they can create a defensiveness that is not therapeutic. But I needed to know. I just needed to know. And so I blurted it out. And the client looked shocked that I had asked her. And, and later I had learned that no therapist had ever asked her why. They just simply gave her a diagnosis and put her on a treatment plan and, and treated her like a file number. And I, I thought, wow, I would want someone to ask me why I do things. It's a very um, thought-provoking, inspirational question. Why? Why am I doing this? Why am I talking this way? Why am I stigmatizing? Let's not do that. Kind of that curiosity stance yeah. that we were talking about. I think one of the phrases that I really resonate with more than why is help me understand. Oh, I love like help that. me understand. What do you think that's about? Like, let's explore that together. I love that. I love that very, very much. Help me understand. It invites a dialogue and invites the individual to help us expand our understanding and expand um, our dialogue, how to how to approach them. And, and, and that we can explore yeah. it together. I like yes. that. Collaboratively. One of the things that I have noticed recently um, in one of my sessions with a client was how this sense of stigma and shame are so locked together of there's something wrong with me. I am one down. I am less than. I'm not okay. And other people are better than I am. They have it together. They're fine. They don't experience ADHD traits or they seem to have their act together and there's this divide that it was really interesting that I noticed when I was sitting with this client of just how their um, somatic their body language was heavy and struggling and in pain and hurting over that and when we started to move to a place of more um, curiosity of allowing things to be they can look different and but unique and that that could be a good thing and being able to see ourselves as same as with somebody else um something shifted in in their body language of just being able to feel a little lighter and even have some laughter in how they described things and i could tell the shift of this like self-compassion of being able to see themselves in a different light and so i think that's something for us to consider when we do feel the heaviness of stigma or the heaviness of shame and judgment that something's wrong. How do we turn that into self-compassion and compassion for others? I love that. I like that you mentioned laughter. When we can laugh lightheartedly and not derisively, I think it opens up a whole new world of understanding. Um, we always end on gratitude and, and we're not there yet, but when we are, I'm, I'm going to say thank you for everyone who has taught me to laugh and laughs with me and not at me. Um, if you know me personally, you know that I laugh constantly. I, I laugh heartily and loudly and, uh, it, it helps me, it helps me realize I'm a human and that other people are comfortable in laughing with me because as long as we can find humor in our own existence, we can keep going forward without shame. Um, yeah, something that I wanted to address in terms of like bringing things to the light and kind of smashing the stigma is um, I wanted to go through what a average session looks like, like what's actually going on within the room because um, I think that's one of the ways that we can smash stigma is through education. And 
just talking about plainly what goes on. So I wanted to ask both of you, like what what are some things within a session that you think are really relevant and necessary and would encourage people to go? Um, I heard once uh, one of my colleagues said that therapy is a conversation, that we have conversations. And I believe wholeheartedly that that is the magic of therapy. We have conversations and we set goals and we work collaboratively towards those goals. And what happens from beginning to end is I ask questions and my clients ask questions and we talk about possible outcomes and we look at what works and what doesn't. And it's not threatening at all. And it is, it's beautiful. It's beautiful the way we are able to open up in a space that is safe. And we do not use snake oil. We do not have couches. I wish I had a couch. I would sleep on it. Uh, it is. It is very. It's a very safe place to be yourself and to um, to talk about things that are bothering you and to not be judged. I think a big part of that kind of felt safety in the room is that someone is going to reach towards me to find that understanding of exploring all the tangled up parts I've seen a meme before of counseling is looking at all these tangled up sometimes we say Christmas lights or whatever and being having someone there with you who can sort through it and make sense of it together and untangle it together and feel heard and understood and seen and validated that you matter Mm -hmm. you actually experience that I think that's a big part of the healing is it isn't just something that you're hearing with words that someone's in this with me together you're actually experiencing it emotionally relationally dynamically Mm -hmm. even all the way down to the cells in your body it's a felt experience of I'm not in this alone Mm -hmm. I have somebody who who sees me and hears me and wants to know me and will help me walk through something very difficult. I don't have to be alone. That togetherness and that validation is the, it's the core center of what we do. And there's never any story or, or fact or truth that we haven't heard. There's nothing that will shock us. And there is, there's nothing that we don't want to hear or that we will judge you or hurt you for. We ask questions because we want to know more. We want to, um, to live your experience as much as we can and, and help you navigate it. So when you go to a therapist, you are reaching out and we are thrilled that you are doing that. We want you to do that and we want you to feel safe in doing that. Whenever I think of my interactions with therapy sometimes is more of you get a conversation with somebody that it's both being that secure place, that place of safety, and also being able to process your own thoughts is really important. And something that I've grown to understand is this active listening that a lot of therapists do, or all of them. (laughs) Um, It's kind of the key thing. But how really it's just helping your brain process what's going on within your own brain. And it's really useful and helpful. And I've actually been using it in my day-to-day just to say things out loud or just to Mm self-talk with myself to help process what's going on because it's such a useful thing and to have it a whole nother person that can sit down and talk with you and say, Hey, I'm kind of hearing you say this. Mm-hmm. 
what do you think about that is really helpful. And it's really cool talking to experienced therapists because you're talking to them and you're like, whoa, it's cool because you get it. Like you understand where I'm coming from because your guys' whole job is to listen. And so it's cool whenever you're just going like, am I crazy? It's like everything happened to them to say like, that's a part of the human experience. (laughs) Yes. yes. So it's, it's a place of support. I think Yeah, that you make sense and that you have a voice and your voice matters and who you are matters. Yeah. And so I would recommend therapy, not just for the people who are going through something, but just the people who are human, which applies to everyone. (laughs) Everyone should get therapy. Everyone. So we're entering the end of our podcast. um, And what that means is we are looking for your input and uh, your thoughts and stuff. So if you are dealing with a therapist stigma or a mental health stigma in the home, in your community, you just have a story you want to share or reach out please email us at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. That is how we primarily communicate with you. So if you send us an email or a message, it comes straight to all of our phones. So um, you're right in our pocket and we're ready to have a conversation with you and start this community that we talk about. And if you want to check us out on Facebook or Instagram, we want that to be a safe community for you to feel a part of. Feel free to comment on our posts or share with a friend and be encouraged by articles and um, any kind of spontaneous pictures we might be coming up with here in the near future. We're excited to try some new ideas on, um, on our social media, so be looking for that. And uh, please rate and review us. I don't know if we've talked about it enough, but we're a ranked podcast now. (laughs) 232. (laughs) I only think like, what's going to happen once we're like five? Like we're going to have to have huge celebrations on air if we're already mentioning it at 232 but uh please write and review us that's how people um can find us on itunes and stuff like that and our viewership is international so by rating and reviewing you're not only spreading the message within like our community and your community at home but all over the world and so shout out to like our listeners and Kenya, in the Philippines, in Hong Kong, in France, all over the world. So um, thank you for helping make this community international. Um, We always end on gratitudes, which I think is a great way to go off in the world after this podcast. I have a, a lighter aspect on reality. I am thankful for our family's secret Santa because I've been preparing for this secret Santa for a while. So it's so fun. Everybody in our family exchanges names. We have uh, a gift that's not a lot of money. So it has to be thoughtful (laughs) in order to make ends meet. So I'm really excited for um, our family secret Santa. Um, My gratitude is about teamwork and this team. I am so thankful for Samuel and Adrienne and just the Community Roots family and working together and knowing that we're not alone. We're living that out day by day, and I just really appreciate that. It means a whole lot to me. I agree. I agree. I am thankful for my friends and my family and my Community Roots family, and this is a very powerful thing to be a, a part of, so thank you to our listeners as well. Awesome. And that brings another wrap to another great episode. And we will catch you next week on Off the Beaten Path. Um, Feel free to check out our other episodes in the interim. But other than that, we'll see you then. Bye.